0: It's The Daily Talk Show, episode 544. Is that what you said, Ninety 44? <laughs> We're getting it right uh, in the presence of a great guest. Angeli Rao. Yo. Oh,
1: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How are you with it? Like, so I am terrible at remembering mm, things. Mm. So I've got a Master of Ceremonies gig on the weekend. Yeah. Which freaks me out. You've spent right. a lot of time uh, on stage doing MC stuff. Correct. You've done a lot of sort of... Um, to camera, live, Mm -hmm. broadcast. Yep. Any tips on short-term memory?
1: Absolutely none whatsoever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So whenever I'm emceeing, I'm obviously using my Mac, so the script is all Mm that. But um, I still haven't recovered from the pregnesia of having my son 10 years ago. So, I mean, I can barely remember where I live on my middle name. So, <laughs> what a, about, so when you're like on CNN and stuff,
2: you, mm. it's all teleprompter, so you're not having to really oh, remember? wouldn't that be
1: nice? It's not? Wouldn't that be lovely? No, it's not. So, um, on CNN, when I was an anchor for six years? Yeah, six years. Um, Nearly yes. forgot that. I oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> close. I was touching gay there. Um, <laughs> so, you have you, you script on the prompter, but half the time you'll get, you know, word in your ear going, and. So-and-so's dead, go. And all the script disappears, except for one word that says blank. And it's like, you don't think I can see that it's blank? Thanks for letting me know. And it's just you and your mind until. But it's amazing what the human brain actually absorbs that you don't think that you've remembered or taken in. And then all of a sudden, when you're sort of, you know, panic stations, and the adrenaline kicks in. Mm. You just, like, you just go, and it's like, oh, I had no idea that I knew that.
2: And so, what's a what's a scenario where that's happened, where you've been interrupted, and you've was, been thrown?
1: It's never good news. Well, oh, yeah, no, no. It's, yeah. and so no, no, what, no. What what was a time oh, that you remember? There have been hundreds and hundreds of those scenarios. Um, so, God, because you know, I did all sort of the um, um, Asian tsunami and the you know global financial crisis and, you know, Middle East and stuff 9/11? like that. And I didn't do 9-11 because I just got home when 9-11 happened, switched on the telly. And it was saying that um, a small light plane had crashed into the World Trade Center. So I was at home at that stage. But the next day when I went in, of course, it was just like, I think that was my very first breaking news that I ever did. Wow. Because um, we had to go, you know, wall to wall blanket coverage the next day. Yeah. My very, very first breaking news was 9-11. And so you you had the time to digest what had happened, the information. That time I did, yes. But, for example, um, you know, when the Asian tsunami happened and I was um, anchoring on Sky News in the UK, which is very different to Sky News here, um, it it was just regular, you know, boxing day. Nothing happens. Mm. So everything was on the prompter and that was sort of like nice and easy and all of a sudden it's like blank. And it said that nine people had been killed in a tsunami. And... Then, of course, the numbers just kept going and going and going. And by the time I left the studio that night, after eight hours of doing constant back-to-back interviews with, God, any, any person that you can possibly imagine, um, heads of state and, and all of this, mm. there was something like 360,000 people dead at the end of my shift, where it started at nine. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so, and you just have to go and go and go. But because I'm from Asia, that was actually relatively easy mm. for me because I knew I knew what was what was what and what was the lay of the land. Mm.
2: So I think you say for fr- uh, Saturday night, Josh. <laughs> yeah,
0: oh, it's, it's Saturday during the day. Do you oh, reckon Saturday. day is What's easier. The so, so it's an It's a uh, charity event at the Melbourne Museum. It's Friend in Me. Uh, they're doing carols by daylight for kids with autism and all that sort of thing. So oh, wow. yeah, so it should be fun. Yeah. So I. But the thing is, you have to remember. Like we can just. Act like gronks and just talk or whatever and make shit up here. Gronks. You ever use that word? You've never used that word. I've never heard of that word. (laughs) Gronkos. So, (laughs) our audience are called the Gronk Squad. And so, a gronk, how would you describe it, TJ? Uh,
2: You know, the the, the gronk that leaves the toilet roll uh, empty. Mm-hmm. On the oh, toilet roll. Oh, Doesn't yes. replace it. Yeah. It's like someone else's problem, not my problem. Yeah. That kind of an attitude. Uh-huh. But I think we all embody it a little yeah. bit. You know, so we all do things that serve ourselves yeah. more than others. Only paint right. sausages trying- with
0: carols is sort of a Gronk Right, yeah, yeah, Because then no I decided are they not to, to raise money. It's for charity.
1: Gronk move, absolutely Gronk I'm going
2: to carry cash from now on, guys. But we're all trying to be better. Yeah. We're all trying to be better Gronks. Right. It's so so we're all okay. Gronks.
1: Yeah. Can I be one? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah you are
2: wow. a Gronk. I think. Even yeah. having to ask that <laughs> Gronk, a gronk. <laughs> <laughs> You're a
0: Gronk. Um, no, but yes, I feel like the presenting of information is different than just being a couple of Gronks. Right. Poten- potentially uh, mm. talking.
2: Well, I think as a an anchor or as a news person i i think that it's like uh you have the information I, like you you're an authority of the information whereas mm-hmm. We're kind of lucky because we we don't know anything, yeah. which is a, a safe space to be in because yeah. we can sometimes know stuff mm-hmm. and then other times not. How does that pressure feel like when you're like, I have to actually nail this. I don't want to misrepresent
1: oh something that is something bad that's happened. Absolutely, and you know that's one of the hardest things about doing breaking news is that you know until you get sort of somebody on the phone who you can talk to, or you know until they start rolling pictures so that you can quickly look at Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's all in your head and you're just thinking please don't let me you know stuff this up in any way or say something that's wrong so for example like doing breaking news 101 if you get you know um an information saying that there's been a blast or an explosion you can't call it um a bomb Mm -hmm. at all until you get absolute confirmation that it is because it could be somebody's gas cooker or something like that um but that's a common mistake that um that i've seen plenty of anchors mm. make. Uh, I'm sure the word allegedly is quite. Allegedly is depth. good. Reportedly. <laughs> reportedly. Yeah, yeah. All those, yeah. <laughs> exactly. What is
0: purportedly? There's a and one that's like reportedly.
1: Purportedly. Yeah. What is purportedly? Yeah. Is it's like it? reportedly. You just nailed it.
2: Really? Yeah. What, when would you use purportedly? So um, when you are trying to be more pompous?
1: Yes. <laughs> it, yeah. it
2: sounds. I, I'd be
0: throwing yeah, at that yeah, moment. It's yes. like how I say "thus" a lot now. <laughs> like, that's, you know, portly is that posh? Yeah, just trying to be, but coming from a gronk. It's yeah, sort of yeah.
1: <laughs> your accent's quite thick. Where um, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in. So I was born in Hong Kong. Um, dad was Indian. I knew it. Uh, Hong yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> it's it's Kong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's good. That's, that. good. That's a good um, snippet.
1: And mum is from Bendigo in Country Victoria. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, the, the the English yeah. twang mm-hmm. is a very thick. So still. yeah. So um, they met in Hong Kong. Mum was twenty four years younger than dad, and um. They had always wanted, particularly Dad. Dad was like a very British Indian and wanted any kids that he had to have like a proper classical British education. And so um, at the age of 11, I was packed off to Hogwarts. I'd never set foot in England in my life. And there I was at this school in sort of the middle of nowhere. It was absolutely beautiful. It was um, the royal family's weekend retreat in the 15th century. Oh, wow. And it had had actual dungeons. um, Yeah, which I... I found myself in twice cause I'm a really bad sleepwalker. Um, no yeah, way. Yeah. So I found myself twice in the dungeons at about three o'clock mm. in the morning. And once you realize that you're in the dungeons, it's like, ah, get oh, me God, out. God, yeah. stone walls, cold. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's pitch black. It's wow. absolutely pitch black down there and you had to get up. Um, so there were four turrets cause it was like a castle and yeah. so, and the staircases and were like teeny weeny like that. So you have to, yeah. start, you know, feel your way up these turrets mm. to get back to the dorm. It was just like, ugh. I was
2: stepping through the UK, it's like we, we don't have anything as old mm-hmm. as what it feels like.
1: Well, the, the school that I went to after that is the oldest school in the world. How, um, how old? 527 AD was when it started, and it had been all boys <laughs> – forever, like until, since then, um, until the year that I went was the very first time they took girls. Um, So it was really difficult to get in. I still can't believe I did. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so they made it really tough. So the ratio of... Boys to girls was very favorable. Yeah. <laughs> Does it
0: make you a third, that whole third culture kid? Is that the thing that. Have I you suppose heard this? it would. Yeah. What's that mean? I don't know. My mate Naysan always talks about it. It's like because he yeah. was born in Chicago, grew up in PNG, then something else. Yeah. And he's got an
2: American
1: accent.
0: Yeah. 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 Because he's at Chicago. It's, so what was your accent before you
2: moved to the UK?
1: Um, it was. So there's the Hong Kong um, accent is sort of quite a. Like Hong Kong itself, it's like a mishmash of all sorts of cultures and, um, and ethnicities and stuff like that. So my accent was a bit Aussie from mum and a bit American because, you know, we only had American sitcoms and yeah. um, and then a bit British, of course. But when I was really little, um, I had a really thick Indian accent. Wow. Yeah, and from movies? From my or, father. Or from your father. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, there's kids now having like... Um, Uh, Spanish accents from Dora the Explorer. No. Young kids are starting, like, they're speaking, you know, in little Spanish twang. Oh, my God, that's (laughs) so cute. So cute. It's interesting, the surroundings, how it sort of influences. Do you think living in these different places, when you're sort of a young woman, 18, you're thinking, like, I've seen a bit already.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because most
2: 18-year-olds haven't even left home. Mm -hmm. I mean... No, he still at
1: home. And, yeah. <laughs> but he came to America Stay as long as, as he can. <laughs> um, yeah, because by then I'd done, you know, lots and lots of travelling and, and stuff like that. And um, because Hong Kong's so transient, you know, people are just like coming back and, and leaving all the time. Mm. You're exposed to so many different types of people and so many different types of cultures. And it really does sort of, you know, seep into you in that way. So mm. I felt like I had a lot of um, world experience, but at the same time I was really quite sheltered. Um, I don't think my mum let me go to like the, the supermarket down the road until I was about 15. Um, but You were then, still in the dungeon. Yes, you was stuck like, in yeah. the dungeon. <laughs> 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 um, but and then, yeah, obviously going to boarding school had, you know, all sorts of different influence on me as well. Mm.
0: Mm. You've uh, interviewed some very interesting and high profile people. Correct. How do you... Uh, how do you approach it from a questions point of view? Have you got a question to open or to break the ice? Um,
1: it depends. So if I'm doing like a three minutes mm-hmm. um, interview that's in the news, then if I have time to write them down, well, great. But if I don't, and particularly again, if it's breaking news, you, you don't have any time uh-huh. at all. Um, mm. It's it's just like, you know, you're just basically taking what you've heard from that person and mm-hmm. going off the back of it. Sort of like what you guys do. Mm. Um, But when I was doing my talk show um, on CNN, that was like the sort of celebrity weekly chat show. Oh God, it was the best fun. Mm -hmm. Um, In those instances, I would dig and dig and dig and dig for information on these people. Um, Stuff that, you know, the audience wouldn't have heard of, Mm -hmm. preferably. Um, And so I'd I'd have all of that mapped out in my mind because particularly in a talk show format, you want them to forget that the cameras are there forget that it's a show and that it's just a conversation and it would happen quite a lot that um we became sort of so friendly and on such a level that they would say things um and then i would have to pick up and go right so what you're talking about is mm-hmm. the time when you know you murdered your mother or you know <laughs> keep it light keep it light, <laughs> light and bright <laughs> um and so Yeah, in those instances, sometimes you just go completely off script. Mm, It just, it all depends. I
2: love, you know, watching your show reel where you can see all the amazing people you've interviewed. Um, Some hard questions in there. That Asking hard questions, they're hard for a reason. They're not Mm -hmm. easy. Like speaking to Bill Clinton, Mm -hmm. I had an idea. You asked him a
1: question that was... uh, yeah. Um, do you remember exactly yeah, what it, I did? Could, could you say Because I'll butcher yeah. it. So I said, um, are there things in your presidency that you wish you could just Unhappen, which I know Obviously the I was ones. Who, at something else. You know exactly. Because yes. so <laughs> well, so like, no, you hate when I do these questions. Well, it's totally like,
0: asking. You know, it's exactly annoying. What you're it's annoying when a friend yeah.
2: does it to you. Yeah. When he knows the answer, but right. he's just trying to get you to say it. Yeah. When you got the president of the United States yeah. or someone mm. who has been, mm. and you're asking him a very targeted question, which is clear what you want him to speak to. Yes. All these mistakes. Yeah. Could go with that particular Great. answer. You got out of it. He's, a, it, sneaky he's a, a sneaky little dog. Sneaky little dog. Sneaky little dog. Because he's like, uh, it's all the things that I didn't do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly.
2: Really? So it's like, it's, like, it's yeah. the complete
1: opposite. It's like, oh, you know, I wish that I could have, you know, made a difference in Rwanda. It's yeah, like, yeah. Mate, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, it really is. Get- <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, and so what do you do in that moment where it hasn't gone the way you wanted it to? What do you
1: do? Um, again, it depends on who it is. So with somebody like Clinton, because... I'd mess him before. I know that it's like trying to nail custard to a wall. You know, as it is with with nail custard to a wall. (laughs) That doesn't work. That (laughs) does not (laughs) sound fucking (laughs) impossible. You can nail around it, but it's not sticking. Exactly. So it's like, um, but. Every politician's basically like that. Like they know exactly. They're the custard. What, yeah, yeah. they the
0: custard. have just got the hammer <laughs> yeah. and the nail I, and they're the like, custard. Uh, we've done improv a few times on the show where we, we've mm. had actors on and we just throw a scene. Mm. I think there could be something fun in uh, me being the producer I'll feed you a line of some uh, breaking news. Yeah. Oh, God. And then yeah. Mr. 97 is someone that you're going to interview. I'll give you the context of who he is. Okay. Sorry, Mason. Yeah, here we go. This is, is like this- my
1: audition for CNN, yeah, literally. This, see. Is, this right. is exactly okay.
0: it. Right, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Instagram is shutting down. Uh, we have. Is a, it? No, this is ah. the same. <laughs> <laughs> so Instagram is shutting down. Uh, we have an influencer who <laughs> runs his business through Instagram. Mm-hmm. To speak to, how would the producer normally communicate that? By the way,
1: um, you would have communicated it by going uh, and breaking Instagram shutting down. Go. Okay, great. Yeah. But then, how would I set up this Ninety Seven? <laughs> you do. Oh, so I, I would sort of go. Uh-huh. Okay, so we've just got some breaking news into us from um, Reuters. Mm-hmm. You can be yeah, Reuters. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. That uh, Instagram, the obviously the massive social network, is shutting down. Um, so obviously this is going to affect many, many people. And then you would say to me again okay, on the phone we've got. Yeah, on the phone, uh, Mr. 97, influencer. Okay, so I understand that in order to pad this out a little bit for us, we've got Mr. 97 on the phone. He is an Instagram influencer. Um, Mr. 97, just you know, tell us your first reaction to this terrible, terrible news? Oh, I'm so disheartened. I mean, to be honest, it's,
2: it's what I make my living out of. It's how I put food on the table for my family. So I, uh, yeah, I'm distraught. I can't believe it's happening.
1: Yeah, is this something that you ever could have prepared for?
2: No, nah, I mean, everyone talks about the diversification of your audience and all that sort of stuff, but I didn't really think that through and, and I've sort of stuck to one platform being Instagram because it was so popular.
1: And what do you think that this is going to do for those um idiots out there who are influenced by you? <laughs>
2: I don't know. I, they're they're, they're going to be so lost. They're going to have no direction. Where are they going to yeah. go? It's, yeah, it's unfathomable.
1: It really is. This yeah. is just earth shattering news. Oh my goodness. And if you've just joined us, we've just heard breaking news that Instagram is shutting down and possibly it? 20 people could be affected.
0: <laughs> how much editorialising can you do? Like, so obviously you've framed up his audience as being idiots, which is probably correct.
1: That's 100% true.
0: How, how much of that are you considering in uh, when do you apply your opinion versus when don't you
1: right. as an anchor? Yeah, so you basically can't at mm-hmm. all. It depends on the network. So, for example, something that sort of sees itself as, you know, right, straight down the middle, like CNN, um, you can't express any sort of um, opinion or emotion or anything mm-hmm. like that. Though I did once cry on air um, and I didn't get told off for it because everybody in the newsroom was crying. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But over here you are sort of, you know, on shows like, you know, the project or Studio 10 and stuff like that, you know, that I've anchored yeah. on, um, you are expected absolutely to just bring all your emotions um, and, you know, let them out on air, which is actually quite difficult to get used to when you've been mm. told, you know, no editorialising, you must never.
0: Well, how do you also transition? One of the things with the project specifically as a format that always gives me anxiety as a viewer is the transition from the, you know, deep story of someone who's died to something a little bit lighter Mm -hmm. now. Is there any tricks in how to do that in a tasteful way?
1: Um, Yeah, basically just... Breathe and take a beat and then you Mm. can sort of... Doing light and shade is actually quite difficult Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of um, practice in doing it sort of to turn the ship around. Surely an Um, ad break is a good transit. Like if you can go to an ad break... If it's like a mm. really serious, you know, really, really upsetting one where there's just no way that you can come back from it, Mm -hmm. um, then you can go to break. Mm. But that's not the anchor's decision ever. If you said we're going to a break and the producer hadn't told you, oh my God. (laughs) You get lots of trouble. So bad. So bad. And so Um, so they're sort of formatting
2: the stories. And so if they just put the light and shade in there, you could have run with it.
1: Yeah, but it it also depends on how you yourself um, can work with that. And a lot of the time it is acting. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got to um, – they can put something in a script, but it's not going to work unless you're actually, um, you know, fully engaged in that. Doing segues, tiny but – it's, it's actually quite difficult to do.
0: How, how do you, um, like what are your tells when you're in those states? Like how do you visually show anxiety? Have you worked out that for you?
1: How I visually show anxiety? Yeah. Um, I never show anxiety to uh-huh. my knowledge. But it's, you know, when you're sort of sitting at the anchor desk because you're never meant to sort of show that you're um, disrupted in any way, mm-hmm. so you've just got to be, you know, super calm and confident. We're sort of like, you know, swans sometimes. I mm-hmm. think we've been called that because up here it's like all poise and composure, and underneath we're peddling like buggery to just, mm-hmm. you know, keep it going. Um, yeah. Is there a certain focus then? Like, is like focus on your breathing, focus
0: on this specific bit right mm-hmm. now?
1: Yep, yep, absolutely, all of that, um, and it's. I don't think that it's anything that anybody can teach you. Mm -hmm. You just, you know, either you sink or you float. That's it.
2: You feel like you're running slightly ahead of time. You're seeing what's happening ahead of time. Mm. And so that way you can be a bit more in the moment. Like I found from doing radio, Mm. I found like it it built a muscle of being able to preempt sort of what's going on, what I needed to do. So I felt like I was sort of like, lag behind, but in the present, seeing what was about to happen. yeah,
1: Live TV, I mean, that's another ball ball game because you're thinking visually as well. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. And also with live TV, um, and particularly in um, sort of rolling networks, um, you often don't get the chance to see your scripts first. So Mm -hmm. the first time that you ever see any of it is when it's there and the world is watching. Mm. Um, So (laughs) that sort of can be a bit daunting sometimes when – you know, massive, great Thai name comes up that you've never seen. That's like, that, oh, you know, yeah. that not phonetic, and they go on till next Tuesday. <laughs> and so what do you do? <laughs> oh God, give it a crack. I found out that if you say it, like you just look at it and go, Ew! but inside, if you say it slowly and Britishly, everybody just buys it. Yeah. They just <laughs> believe you. No, I appreciate awesome. that because <laughs> I, no,
0: I think that it's it would be the area that would freak me out the most is pronouncing yeah. of of names. Yeah,
1: like the first time I saw the Thai Prime Minister Thaksin Shinawat, and it was like, oh, how did you remember god, he said oh my it? god! I said uh, I can't remember how I said it, but um, it was <laughs> God, it was not good. But um, do you remember when that Icelandic volcano was? Um, Erupting and all the flights all over the world few oh, yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah. um, all got shut down and it was like it went on for like a week or something. Mm-hmm. So everybody on air on every network was calling it the Icelandic volcano, and I was like, "No, nah, I'm actually gonna find out how you say this insane word, and I'm gonna be known for pronouncing the name of the actual sodding volcano." Okay, so the it, the kind of volcano itself, I can't even say volcano mm. has a name. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's got some, a name. Okay. Um, yeah. So I mean like, you know, all mountains and stuff okay. have names. It? So it's Efjatl <laughs> <a shutt-le>, Yakutl. <laughs> it's
2: time, really please? long. It's
1: like sort of twenty-five letters and it's all vowels.
2: Can you say it again? Eya Yakutl. Eyfyatl. Eflatl Yakut.
1: Yakutl. Yakut. Yeah. So this is yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah, so ya. how
2: did you remember what did you write it out?
1: Um, phonetically, yeah. So, no, my producers were never that kind to write out flint mm-hmm. phonetically. So I just look at the way that it actually was. And I was like, just pretend it's not there and just say it from your head. Yeah. Um, so then all the weather presenters when they were on air would just come up and do their bit and just go, Oh, you say it. You- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is there things that you fixate on say like words or whatever? Like I find that I can get into like someone's name or whatever and, that almost becomes a bit of a headfuck because I'm so focused on it that I'm bound to get it wrong.
1: Yeah 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 all mm. the time all the time. I've had so many screw-ups on it mm-hmm. my God it feels like you don't have like a real clear solution which no is sort of I don't way. sorry no, that's a, no, that's <laughs> right. I mean
2: what you're describing like just live, no script that that's someone's
1: hell
0: right Like mm. that, most people yeah that's they couldn't handle that. sweating Are you much
1: of a sweater. I am not. Okay. I'm not, and it drives my trainer absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Angie, you are not sweating. <laughs> sweating on thing. the inside.
2: There's some people. Like I, I used to be a PT. People would sweat from mm. the knees. Mm. Like wouldn't sweat at all. Yeah, their knees would sweat. Bizarre. Really bizarre. Old
1: people.
0: But, but, oh, yeah, very odd. But just think about like, were, were there people you worked with that if you are a big sweater, mm. like do you just is it just a makeup sort of thing or like how do you sort of?
1: <laughs> Um, I can't say that I've ever worked with an anchor who's a big sweater because I, okay. I think, you know, that's our profession. Can you not do
0: it? Oh, so you, like, yeah, sweaters like, can't be in the are, game.
1: If you're susceptible to anxiety, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you just shouldn't be in TV. I don't yeah, think. know you strengths. But lots of guests do because yeah. they're not
2: mm. used to it. What about um, celebs? Did you have any anyone that you remember? For being swe- sweaty or yeah, just <laughs> someone who's yeah, sweaty celebs.
1: Yeah, prompt uh, well, question. Um, but let I me it. think. I oh, know oh, we talk- It's not um, out of out
2: of context. No, 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 We're talking no. about sweaters. No, 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 yeah,
1: sense. let me think. Do I have any sweaty celebs? Bill Clinton. <laughs> Bill Clinton. No, he's he's pretty used to being in the public eye. Yeah, Rihanna. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. Um, Rihanna was no. She was like super poised mm-hmm. and, God, she was good fun. Mm. She was absolutely fantastic. Mm. We just got on really really well. Yeah, I can't think of any sweaters. Is
2: it a um what do you a kiss hug or
1: a hug? Or um, a handshake. That, no, that no. one was a that oh. one was a proper kiss hug. But she's like an Amazon woman. She's about seven foot tall. Is she? Yeah. Wow. I know, which I had never anticipated. But um that was an interesting one actually because the Chris Brown thing had um had happened and mm. the only person that she'd spoken to publicly about it was Oprah. And that was I think that was about two weeks before I did my chat show with her. And um, I I walked in, and um, her people were just hideous, like they usually are. Um, And so I, you know, went up to the minder, handler, or whatever, and I was like, "Oh, hello, I'm Angelina." She was like, "The words Chris and Brown will not be mentioned." (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And I just laughed. I was like. Do shut up. It's <laughs> only the biggest entertainment story yeah. of the year. And she started going absolutely bonkers. But R- Rihanna walked in at that moment. Did you say do shut up? Yeah, <laughs> Oh, yes. oh yes. That's
0: so oh, good. And then she said the window name. Ax- with, yeah. the <laughs> with the accent, it's got real cut through, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I
1: thanks. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, she didn't look impressed. But then Rihanna walked in, so she, you know, sort of pulled back. And um, we just got on immediately Big hug, and just she was fantastic. She's like, Oh, I love your hair. And it's like, Oh, yes, this is going to be good. (laughs) Mm. And so, when it came to talking about um, the Chris Brown stuff, she brought it up. She did. Mm. I didn't. I was going to. But uh, so, she started it. And She's I just done. thought, oh, yeah, She's fantastic. Because um, she was talking about her new album, just like, you know, this, it was really difficult because I was going through a really difficult time in my life at Winnow you One. I wrote mm-hmm. this song and I was like, and obviously you're talking about, you know, what happened with Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And her people were just like, we're getting off topic. We're getting God. off topic. And so what you, you like, can I obviously, be more on topic,
2: <laughs> you can see it
1: happening. I can see it like- in my peripheral vision, but it's like, you're not here. You are not here. It's just me and Rihanna. And so at that point, if they
2: signed over permission for you to use this footage prior to... Anything
1: is, if we get it on camera, it belongs mm. to us. Oh, great. So there's plenty of times that, you know, somebody said something that they wish they hadn't. Are they signing um, release?
0: Because we never get guests to sign releases and then we've we've had a moment of like, oh, should we be doing that? Do you um, know if they do that? Probably. With, yeah. You should
1: probably start doing yeah. that. <laughs> so you do <laughs>
0: like, day. do you have a handful of... Releases and you're just getting signatures anytime you have someone on air.
1: That's the producer's, producer's job. job. Yeah. yeah, I just show up and do my act. Yeah, mm. yeah.
0: Is that part of the? I guess the safety around the Rihanna thing going in that like it's all yeah. good.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's all of that. But you know, I'm not that I've read the release, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it would say basically, you know, this is our show. Mm-hmm. We own the content. Whatever happens on camera is owned by us. Mm-hmm. And you know, particularly when something's already public record. Yeah. Like, of course you can ask. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Absolutely.
2: Are you a boundary pusher?
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, rather ask for forgiveness.
1: Yes, indeed. Yeah. Exactly.
2: I think it's a good approach. I mean, it's a it do you think it has to fit to your character? Have you found other news anchors that
1: aren't that? They won't push it? Um, yeah, there are, there are plenty of them out there because it can be, you know, quite a daunting thing depending on who you're speaking to. Um, and if you don't push you will get your mm. ass kicked.
2: It, it, do you not have the visceral response
1: when you ask the tough question? Because I'd feel like, oh no, sometimes, is- oh god. If I've been told off by, um, you know, by a celebrity, which has happened, it's when? this hideous, ugh. Kevin Spacey. Uh, no. I can imagine him. What, what happened? i mean we, you we him, had jokes on him? Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's on YouTube. That- um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, what happened was, so we, he's one of those guys that we got on fine off camera. And then as soon as the red light goes on, they're just the, you know, little celebrity and mm-hmm. you're the evil journalist sent there to skewer them. So, and he didn't want to talk about anything to do with films. He only wanted to talk about the theatre, darling. Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah. God, Kevin, nobody gives a shit.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and that was so. a walking away from Hollywood. Was that? Was that yes. That inter- yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so way through the interview, I was asking him, a question about um so he'd given this interview to GQ magazine i think it was GQ like years before and they had asked him about his sexuality um which was always you know um a sort of a topic that you know he'd he'd often get asked mm-hmm. and um uh, not that i ever would mm-hmm. but he um he was given this interview and he's like, okay, I'm going to clear it up once and for all. Um, so he did to GQ magazine and he said that he was straight and that he had, you know, a female partner, she didn't like the limelight, blah, blah. So when the article came out, they completely um, was like, you know, nudge, nudge, wink where well, you, you say you are, but we know you're not sort of thing. So I was asking him about his reaction to the article, not whether he's gay. And oh my God, mm-hmm. he just, it was the weirdest thing. It was so weird. Um, so bef- he thought I was going to ask him whether he was gay. Care less. Yeah. I don't care. Um And he goes, um in the words of Morgan Freeman the words Morgan <laughs> and Freeman had never been mentioned, yeah. Yeah, um yeah. uh my darling I'm surprised that a journalist of your calibre care about such trivialities. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> he oh, definitely had that God. in there. Yeah. He was waiting to use that line. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then, you know, imagine my surprise when eight years later he comes out. Yeah. Oh my God. But I was made to go to his trader and apologise to him for a question that By I didn't who, ask. Who makes you do that? Uh, that was his, his publicity people. And are they like, if you don't
0: apologise, anyone else who we mm. handle, you're not going to have access yeah,
1: to? Yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: Is it cutthroat cut. like that? I've been watching um, the Good Morning, uh, it's called Morning Wars here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is it like, like the behind the scenes of TV, mm. is it drama and all that sort of shit? Is it gotcha. like that? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um, it was particularly dramatic at Sky in the UK because every single thing there is breaking news, mm-hmm. everything. You're constantly juggling you know, maybe five breaking news stories and they're all different ones and you've got to sort of, you know, weave your way around. Mm. Um, and God, you'd have, they'd leave your talk back open. So your earpiece is, is they never turn it off. Mm-hmm. So all you can hear is like 16 people okay. screaming in the control room and you have to figure out which one you actually need to listen to and which oh, ones are just noise. I, I would melt um, down. Oh, people were like throwing up in the loo's or crying. It was, yeah, it was absolutely, it was full on. Really, it's the most stressful job I ever had.
0: Did you ever have a, a moment where because I see in the show where like the, the weather guys having an affair or whatever, they're talking and I'm like, they've got lapel mics on. Like surely the sound mm. department's hearing all of this. Yeah. Were there any, You're never
1: alone with a microphone.
0: Yeah, was there any any a time where you had your microphone on and you forgot?
1: Um, I didn't, but I know plenty who have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was um there was a CNN anchor who was uh he, She'd been doing it for years and she was mm-hmm. in the bathroom bitching about her sister-in-law um, who she'd just been on holiday with um, and it, it went out live <laughs> 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 and she spent Christmas apologising to the whole family. Oh, I no. know, I think she got divorced in the end, but um, yeah, it was not good. But that tells me that she didn't have friends in the control room Yeah, because they could yeah. have easily just turned it off. <sighs>
2: Yeah, you can mm. see the opportunity. If you ever do that, oh, that to no. us <laughs> yeah, you're out. You're in trouble. Yeah. Um, for me, I uh, get I had news pushed to my phone, and it just got too much for me, so I turned it off. When it's your job, not turning it off. How do you switch off from something that it's it's more than a job, right? Yeah. It's a lifestyle.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, switching off for me has actually always been quite easy. Um, which I think comes down to the fact that I can sleep anytime, anywhere, no matter what noise, what light, anything is going on. So, I, just, I mean, staying awake is my issue. Uh, <laughs> what you're at, what's the best location you've ever fallen asleep in? Um, probably the dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Well, I can't stay awake on planes ever. Mm. I'm just out like a light. So, you know, that means that sort of when I wake up, I've I basically processed everything mm-hmm. and I'm ready to just, you know, carry on. Um, so, but the times that I have really taken it home with me, um, have usually been when I've done breaking news on natural disaster, because when you do that, you don't know how many days, weeks, months, even it can go on for. And it's just this constant intake of these horrendous, horrendous stories. Um, and weirdly the worst one for me, I think was, um, the earthquake in Haiti, um, which I think was about. Like 2009, 2010. And I'd never been to Haiti. I don't know anybody from Haiti. And every single day I would cry my eyes out mm. when I got home. It was just so horrendous just seeing this, you know, destitute country. But we also see all the raw footage that comes in mm. um, that the public doesn't see. Um, and I'm often asked, why do you, why do you have to edit? Just, you know, we're not babies. Just show us. And it's like, you you do not want to see this. Mm. You really, really don't. Um, and stuff like that, watching the raw footage of, you know, collapsed buildings, but you can see, you know, like a kid's arm just like hanging out. Um, but there's no way to get to them. And you can see that like, you'd see hands moving like this. People were alive under the rubble, but there was no way that anybody could ever get to them and stuff like that really stays with you. What's your media consumption like now? Um, I do not watch news in this country mm-hmm. um, because it's just so dull. Um, but I do read news.com. What makes com. good news, do you think? Um, just, you know, looking outside our borders would mm-hmm. be a start. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. If we could get some sort of more international news, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. But um, news that involves a bit of everything, you know, um, a bit of politics, business, um, showbiz, sport. um, And that's why, you know, I love reading news.com every day because it's mm-hmm. got all of it. And, you know, I I am quite partial to the daily fail. <laughs> yeah. I love oh, yeah. the daily fail. It's great.
0: <laughs> the, so from a network point of view, if you were to listen to or watch one station, you had to have it on all the time. Like I always feel like when I'm overseas mm. in a hotel room, I always put on like CNN or whatever, just because yeah. it feels like you're connected in some way to things that are going, what would be your channel that
1: you'd have it on? If I was overseas? Anywhere, yeah, in the world. I would probably do, um, I really like NBC Mm -hmm. um, because that's just got a bit of everything and it's entertaining to watch. Um, I find things that are sort of, it might sound weird, but sort of too down the rabbit hole of news um, are not, that's not really my thing. So when it's just a bit too serious, mm-hmm. um, I love the light and shade. And um, my favourite thing, even as an anchor, was um, was never the main story. It was always the stories that you find around the main story. So like, you know, I particularly love looking at psychological aspects and stuff like that. Because um, if I hadn't done journalism at uni, I would have done psychology. So all that sort of peripheral stuff is what I really like. And something like NBC kind of covers that off. Um sometimes I watch CNN but sometimes it's just too you know in your face. Mm. Um in the UK I always mm. watch Sky. Yeah. I don't know if it's our age
2: or if it's the time and the people that I'm consuming on media but I've never thought more about left or right. Mm. And uh, more more and attaching it to news outlets and media outlets yeah. of this is left-leaning this right-leaning. Yeah. Was this something that was a thought when you were in these big media companies.
1: Um, sometimes, so uh, CNN was easy in that way because it was straight down the middle, um, which now is you know getting less and less popular because people want to be outraged, mm. um, and you can only do that really if somebody's you know showing polarizing views. Um, but when I was working for you know Murdoch Networks, yeah, I mean it was definitely you were encouraged to be more on the right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely.
2: And so how do you uh, reconcile that, you know, CNN down the middle? I could imagine it's pretty easy to sort of go, yeah, it's a, we're in the middle. Yeah. But when you are off to one
0: of those sides. But also everyone says they're in the middle, don't they? Like there, there well, is but that whole. What hole. I'm saying, the, the middle
2: is the easy bit because it's like, yeah, 50-50. Yeah. Oh, I could take that. No, nah, I don't like that. I'm a, You know, so yeah. how did you actually reconcile when it's, Did you, did you, are you working out where you sway more so being Um, amongst that?
1: Yeah. So the thing about me is that I'm actually fairly apolitical. It, um, if I was in the UK, I'd always vote conservative. If I was in the US, I'd always vote Democrat. And here, oh my God, I, I can see why they threaten you with a big fat fine if you don't go, because people just wouldn't go. Mm. Let's just get some decent politicians and I might show up, you know, um, and I did make that argument once the first time that I got here and I didn't very, I was like, make me and, um, say <laughs> so they find me and I wrote this. It's what, but, 35 uh, bucks is it or something? No, or it's it? more, that's like 75 or something really? like that. Yeah. At the time I didn't have 75 cents. Um, <laughs> so I, I wrote, um, an angry letter. Um, and I won, I won my case. Oh, really? Really Cause it was like, I think they said, yeah, you're kind of right actually. What, yeah, did, you say? what did you say? I was like, um, how dare you fine people for um, <laughs> for not coming out to vote? If you had anybody worth voting for, perhaps we would. Bloody hell, North Korea is laughing at us. And, so, yeah. <laughs> and then went back can and said, I, mm, can... yeah, your fine's been waived. <laughs> yeah. I think I was just too much, too much. I was just too painful. They didn't want to deal with me. Handwritten, was that? A, uh, you digitally wrote it? And then I handwrote it? it. I handwrote it. I did. I feel like that's worth something. Yeah. Uh,
0: how are you with admin? Do you like Admin? Do I like admin? Mm. Does anybody like admin? I think there's a lot of people. Like, mm. there's there's a
1: certain type that's like, oh, I'm type A. Like, I'm a real type A. Mm. I love- I'm always putting it off. Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely a procrastinator when it comes to admin. Yeah. yeah. Do
0: you think that how much of the the voting stuff? Was that the fact of just fucking doing admin versus oh, shit, yeah. shit politicians?
1: Yeah. Well, it could be that too. Yeah. Yeah, it could be that too. It's all of it. It's just I'm not I'm just not a fan of it. I, well, so I know that sounds terrible, yeah. and you know people are gonna get yelled, yell at me like, Yeah, it's a democracy," blah blah yeah. blah. But it's like, if I don't want to vote, then don't make me.
0: Mm. And so the um the audible series that you're on, Right Act, that yeah. is all about being in a conservative mm-hmm. radio station. It's called was it sixty. Three sixty. yeah. And so you play a character, Michelle. Yes. What's the deal with Michelle?
1: Okay, so this is my very first acting gig Mm -hmm. ever. Um, I've always wanted to act. And um, so when this came along, it was just like too good. So Michelle is, um, she is a woman of Mm colour, British. Right. See where I'm going here? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, And she was a journalist um, in the UK, comes over here and can only, because there's no diversity, which is true, um, all she can get is producing a far right-wing radio show at midnight. Um, And she is the producer of um, an absolute knob called um, Campbell Parks, um, played by um, Mark Humphreys, who is just fantastic. Um, And so it's sort of... um, parodies, those, you know, right-wing radio shows that, you know, we all know and love. Um, And they decide to, um, well, Campbell decides that he wants to um, boost his numbers by putting on a um, memorial for the um, Cronulla riots, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which I actually did cover in Breaking News in real life at Sky. And my co-anchor was um, from America and he absolutely, he's such a dick, um, just insisted On calling it Cronulla Cronulla. it's the Cronulla right (laughs) it's not mate it's really not (laughs) um and so anyway they they put this thing on and it's about how he um you know suddenly becomes incredibly famous and um so they get moved from you know the crappy slot at midnight till 2 a.m to you know the highly coveted breakfast slot um but then he um Campbell sort of after the Cronulla riots, Memorial March, um, is sort of, he's very famous, but not in a good way. So he sort of has to leave the country um, and it's about what happens uh, while he's gone. And um, it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. I think I'm on, I think I'm on my third or fourth listen all the way through. It's absolutely hilarious. It's such an interesting format because
0: it's sort of like a, uh, this immersive Experience like it's, it really was because I guess audible uh, you could easily like I'm a non-fiction junkie very self-helpy yeah, yeah. and all that sort of thing and so this is completely like something that's uh, different in that in that format what is it like uh, being
1: behind the scenes of creating something like that. Yes, yeah, so I'd never done anything like this before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done radio and stuff like that, but this was totally different um, because it's all, you know, scripted, obviously. And um, But you're you're not in a studio. So we didn't, we, we weren't sort of, you know, sat mm-hmm. for, for a lot of it in the studio behind a mic. We were um, like, the, we have a funeral scene. Um, and so we actually, you know, went to the park, round the corner and, um, you know, the sound out there sort of like recording us so that you can get all the ambient sounds. And, um, you know, if I sort of storm out of the room, I'm actually getting up from the chair and slamming yeah, the door yeah. and sort of, you know, pounding the desk. with Did my you fist lean and-
0: into that? Is there any moment? Cause Dan Illich was, uh, working mm. on it. Uh, like, is there any point where you're just like, guys, do we need to be here? Can we just do it in a studio? Or did you enjoy? The, no, sort of, the we immersive? all loved
1: it. We yeah. absolutely loved it. And sort of, you know, when it's like, um, Michelle gets into an Uber. Um, so I'm actually outside in the street getting into somebody's car. It's not an Uber. No, uh, that's where you draw the not line. Not an actual Uber. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. because um, there's, I think there's something like 92 or 96 characters that uh-huh. the guys wrote. And um, there's this one guy, this British guy, who plays about 12 of them And I've never laughed so much in my life. He just goes from one accent to the other all around. So he was playing sort of, you know, my Uber driver and Lebanese Uber (laughs) 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 driver. There's no accent that he can't do. We were all just absolutely cacking ourselves laughing. So, you know, I'd sort of like get into the Uber and he'd be like, Michelle, and I'd slam the door and, you know, say where I was going. So, you know, um, I need to go to the church, Our Lady of Consolidated Debt. And um, so he'd, um, and, and then he'd sort of like chat to me in this Lebanese accent. But just always, you know, going in between every single one, it was absolutely brilliant. It was so good for, for you, uh, channeling the the experiences you've had, mm-hmm.
2: having all these, you know, working in businesses, that mm-hmm. politics and shit yeah. that's going on. It sounds all a bit real, doesn't it? <laughs> it,
1: it was completely real. That's yeah. how I felt.
2: Yeah, it, you were thinking, oh, this is I've had this experience, or
1: oh my god, completely. But as soon as I read for the role, um, and my agent thought you said, you know. Do you think that you can play this as a British-accented woman of colour who's a journalist? Have you got this, Ange? <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Um, it was, so when I, I I read the role, it was literally scripted for me. Mm. It, it really, really felt like it was. Um, so, And the guys had no idea that, that this was actually my background.
0: And so how, like, do they allow you to have the script in front of you? Because I guess it's a different type of format where it's like, It's all that what's going through the speakers. Trackies are acceptable. Yeah, 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 These running shorts would be okay. Or did you actually get, did you get into character, like how much of it is
1: actually performing the scene? Oh, God, all of it. Yeah. All of it, yeah. I mean, and the the great thing was that I was the only non-professional actor the rest of them all knew exactly what they were doing. So they're already sort of, you know, got their head around mm-hmm. the character and stuff like that. But yeah, you've really got to sort of absorb who you're playing um, and, you know, sort of believe in it yourself so that other people do. It, it was proper acting and, and I loved it. It was great.
2: <laughs> um, what's your relationship with nerves? Like
1: uh, when you're on live TV, yeah. is there still nerves? Um, there, I think if there wasn't, that would mean that I didn't care. Um, I think, a, a, a modicum of nerves is healthy. Um, so I'm often asked because I MC all over the world. Um, um, when I'm about to go on stage, people do often ask me if I'm, are you nervous? Are you nervous? I'm like, nah. Um, it's like, well, mate, I'm done. Just say, I, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> just, just really rarely. Have, yeah. have you ever had
0: a moment of panic? God, yes. All the time. So what does that look like? Because even uh, uh, Tommy and I were at the NGV doing Insta stories, very low level sort of stuff, Mm. literally talking to our phones. I was just like, I don't know about my performance. Like I freaked out at at the idea of recording on the phone. How do you get, like, do you verbalise how you're feeling? Do you have to hold it in? How do you make sure that everyone else
1: doesn't freak out? You never let on that you're nervous. You okay. have to be sort of, you know, the voice of confidence. Mm-hmm. Like you know exactly what you're doing and saying, but inside, um, again, like when it's breaking news and you mm-hmm. just think, oh, "I don't know anything about this," but then you sort of somehow you just get through it, and that's that gives you confidence. That's the non-sweater thing. That's yes.
0: if you sweat,
1: yeah, it's dead, give hard away. To, yeah. dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. Or I mean, at, like
2: taking the action solves the nerves problem a lot of the time. Yeah. The hard bit is if you take the action, then it's the new fumble or – Oh god! And then yeah. you get on that sort of spiral. Yeah, does that happen? The spiral where you just
1: can do. Yeah, yeah. There was um, those once this is so stupid. Um, breaking news that I did at Sky in the UK. Like I said, everything over there was breaking news. Like even yeah, yeah. things that just do not warrant it. Puppy and, up a tree. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> a train had um derailed and no one was injured. Um, and so that was breaking news. Um, yeah, yeah. and we had to go live with this thing for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and there was nothing to say like i was interviewing you know some dork from you know i love trains.com miss <laughs> going to definitely and um all of a sudden i had a complete and total brain fart yeah. it was just like oh i have got like nothing to say, I have no words, and so I just threw to weather and the weather person wasn't even there yet. it's <laughs> was like racing up. to put her mic on. like, hmm? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> but Dan Harris to, yeah.
0: talks about that, uh, the author of 10% oh, yeah. Happier. Uh, he, uh, he's a news anchor and he talks about the moment where he has a complete yeah. uh, meltdown, but then you watch it, it never looks as bad as yeah, what as it, it, feels. it feels, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, The worst ones are when you have a laughing fit and you can't. Oh, no. Yeah. How
0: do you control that?
1: Uh, You don't. You don't. You just pray for an ad break. Um, So the the worst one I had was (laughs) on Sky and um, I was with my wonderful um, co-anchor Stephen who so um, we would, we'd been on air for four hours. I think it was like from 6am to 10. And we were so close to the end. We were only like 10 minutes out or something. And it had been really uneventful. Like nothing was happening. It was just super easy that day. And for some reason, I told him a joke in the ad break and, um, he just lost it. And then <laughs> when we came back, neither of us could hold it together. And so they, and our producer was like, like, you know, effing and yeah. blinding, like, you know, Tourette's and um, was like, yeah, get it, get, it, get it together. And of course, yeah. that made it much worse. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> so we ended up, we said, you know, Ange paragraph, Steve paragraph. And I would read my paragraph and lose it in the middle and pretend I was having a coughing fit. And Steve would have to pick up in the middle of my <laughs> paragraph and continue reading. By the time we got to the end of whatever the story was, Um, we were doing one word each (laughs) and we had our chairs back to back, like we couldn't look at each other. And so Murdoch never, ever switched off. Like he always, he watched everything, um, every single thing on Sky and we were absolutely petrified that we were going to get, you know, a call on the red phone. Um, and miraculously that day, um, he wasn't watching and it was like, oh my God, we were so close to losing our jobs. What's the red phone? Oh, it's the, It's like the bat phone. Um, is it actually? Is there a red phone? There is a red phone.
2: Really? Yeah. Direct line to Murdoch. Yeah. Can you? Is it one way or can you pick it up and say Murdoch?
1: Uh, I think it's one, one way. way. Yeah, one I think way. it's one way. <laughs> how much
0: are you thinking of audience? Because obviously, like if you've got uh, audiences in different countries, how much are you thinking about that?
1: Oh, all the time, mm-hmm. all the time, um, and particularly when they are in you know different countries and there are sort of cultural sensibilities and that sort of thing, you're absolutely terrified. Um, but so when I was, um, I've got a 10 year old son and when I was about to burst, um, I was, I think it was on my, my last day before I went off for maternity leave. And it was, you know, top of the news, top of the hour, like when you're really serious stuff is happening. And it was the latest Afghan death numbers. And I just did the most massive burp uh, right in the middle of talking about these huge death numbers and oh my God, there's nothing you can do. You can't put it back in and I was like, (laughs) excuse me, I'm very sorry. (laughs) And um, So I still tell off Izzy, my little boy. It's like, you did that to me. Um, Uh, But everybody in the newsroom just lost it and we basically had to go to an ad break right off the top story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no. is recovering.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, new media versus old school media. How do you view it as as a broadcaster?
1: Um, well, the thing that mostly um, sort of sticks out to me about that is that in the days of old media, it used to be really, really pleasantly difficult to get through to mm-hmm. any anchor, and now it's my god, everybody's got an opinion, and you're going to hear about it. Um, and, you know, when you're trying to do live news um, and you have to have your phone by you for obvious reasons and, you know, somebody, you pick up your phone and you see a nasty tweet. It's mm. like, mate, come on, you get up here and do it and try and juggle 50 different topics and um, doing a three and a half hour live broadcast, really. But you can't unsee it. Um, yeah. And you know, it's, it's actually it's so nasty now out mm. there um, because if somebody sends you a mean message, they'll make sure that they tag your show your network, and all of the other anchors yeah. that you work Use with. Use all the hashtags. For, yep, for maximum damage. I mean, imagine if they put
2: this effort into something productive I for their know. own career or life.
1: Exactly.
2: It's yeah. it, it seems like it's a real effort to be a troll.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah, it does. It must just be sort of so... Draining, mm-hmm. being yeah. that nasty all the time. Mm.
2: It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's even like email stuff. If you're oh, outside yeah. of work hours, it can just trigger the feeling. Mm. Mm. And so I get it. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't unsee it. No. So how are you, are you just turning it off? It's a weird one because you, you almost need to have it on.
1: Yeah, of course you have to. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you never know what. So most of the stuff is really nice, but you don't remember the nice stuff.
2: Um, what about young women wanting to move into journalism now? I mean, there's still university courses, degrees in yeah. journalism, right. what's the future of it if they're wanting to do something, they see a career like yours and they think, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Is
1: it still there? Uh, yeah. So when um, whenever I'm asked by somebody, it's like, you know, I, I want to do what what you do. So, um, you know, I'm going to start um, taking journalism at uni. I always say, well, my first piece of advice would be don't study journalism. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Um, anybody can be a journalist with um you know, you can be a lawyer or, you know, have a medical degree or whatever. They, they actually want you to have different strings to your bow. Journalism. I mean, when I was doing journalism at uni in London, um, all we learned about was like, you know, what happened with the press in Fleet Street, you know, big wows, who cares? (laughs) Um, and sort of, it's, it's good getting sort of, you know, practical, um, sort of experience, but you know, I didn't even get that. Um, so, If I was going to uni now, I would take psychology, definitely. And you can still be a journalist because they want you to bring um, a different side to it. If you understand the news, great. You just have to be a human being, really. Um, But if you have, if you can come at it from a different Mm. side, that makes you much, much more valuable. Mm. Um, And I think now, because the whole journalism industry is changing so rapidly, um, that to even have something else behind you that if it all falls over, um, you, have, you have another qualification that you can, you know, um, rely upon. Yeah, I like that. It's a good perspective. Thanks.
0: Uh, <laughs> Amazon with Audible, they're obviously um, getting into the content game in a, in a big way. How, how does that um, affect what you and the people around you are doing from an industry point of view? Does it change anything or are they just just like another network?
1: I reckon it's just like another network. I mean, mm. they're springing up all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody gets their content now from, you know, so many different sources as well. So, I mean, you know, when I host on Studio 10, we're, you know, pulling things from, you know, women and Mamma Mia and stuff like that. And so um, it's just another content provider, but, you know, a, a valuable one.
0: Are you listening to any podcasts or. Yeah,
1: Riot Act for yeah. the fourth time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's, I mean, that's another interesting thing. Riot Act is it fits in this different realm. So you get it on Audible. Did you see it as a podcast or what, how do do you
1: describe it? Yeah. So at the beginning, um, I wasn't sure whether it was, I don't think anybody was sure whether it'd be sort of, you know, radio play like in the old days or whether it would be, you know, an episodic podcast. Um, but I think that the way that it, it's sort of turned out Mm -hmm. is just absolutely perfect for the story that we're trying to tell. Mm. Um, God, it's funny. Yeah. I know I've said that, but mm-hmm. I just I keep thinking of little quotes, and I'll just be sort of you know walking along, whatever, and I'll just spontaneously piss myself laughing. Yeah.
0: Was it all written out? or Was there any improv?
1: Yeah, there was plenty of improv. Yeah, 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 yeah. particularly by Dan Illich. Yeah, um, as you can expect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and Dan plays um, the boss of the network, Nugget, uh, <laughs> and he's just. Oh, you know, his, his catchphrase is like,
2: Ball terror! I want yeah. ball terror content!
1: <laughs> ball, ball terror? Ball, ball, yeah. Yeah. ball yeah. terror. Oh, yeah. Ball terror. terror. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's good content. Yeah. So he was, um, <laughs> it's good content. Yeah, yeah. like good content. I know, and I have a line where it's like, come on, Campbell, these balls won't tear themselves. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was, there was plenty of, of improv, and also by Mark Humphries as well. Yeah. Mm. 2019 favourite book. Oh, God, Um, that would probably have to be. um, Oh, what was I reading recently? I can't remember what it's called, but um, and I'm going to get my ass kicked for that. But it's. by the guys, <laughs> yeah, yeah. by the guys who rescued the boys from the Thai cave. Uh-huh. Um, you remember that, you know, <laughs> huge, yeah, yeah. huge story. So um, I read it because um, I had this fantastic MC gig um, that was two weeks in Lisbon, followed by two weeks in Bangkok, followed by two weeks in Miami. Um, where I was interviewing them on stage, oh, wow. and so now we're we're like best buddies. And so in order to prepare for that, obviously, I had to read the book, and it was just so compelling. It was, I mean, so many things that that you would never little details, just like God, mm. I had no idea about that. So yeah, that was that was fantastic. You know I mean, against,
0: the, all against all odds, against all odds,
1: against all odds. Yeah, yeah. Yes. not yes. to take yes. away from yeah.
0: their, their story.
2: Did the Elon Musk thing come up?
1: Um, were we allowed to talk about it we, on, on, on stage? Yeah. So, um, we were going to, but then we didn't cause we okay. just thought, let's not give him any airtime. Yeah. yeah. Any, any more airtime. So no, we just kept it straight down to, you know, what happened, how the rescue went. Was it
0: covered in the book?
1: Um, it only a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But cause nobody wanted to, you know, give it any more oxygen really.
0: Yeah. So do you think it was like, I guess news, can uh get the headlines happening and it allows for this like a tweet to become the story oh god absolutely. do you think was that an example of the wrong thing becoming the story
1: for sure it mm. was you know it was such a red herring and um you know i think when it when it all came out and there was sort of like this nasty little playground spat, mm-hmm. you know, between um, between the two of them. It was just like... A billionaire and some heroes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, yeah. exactly. It's like, hey, can we just like, you know, bring the focus back around to what's actually yeah, happening yeah, yeah. rather than some sort of, you know, imaginary thing that never will. Um, so, yeah, so stupid.
0: Do you get good at knowing what's PR, rah, rah, versus what's actual... I think
1: we all knew that was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, stating the bleeding, obvious. Mm-hmm. But then um, what
2: about the people working on the front line, in the media, in the, in the news that have to, you know, they, they're getting t- – where's the ball-tearing stories? Yeah. We, you need to lead with that.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so
2: then how how do you – I always think – I read some articles from some journalists and I think, how the fuck can you live with yourself?
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Like, how can you be spinning this bullshit? Mm. Well, there's a lot around twi- – like, it seems like sometimes shows are just, like, reading out random tweets. Yeah. Like, I've always found that interesting, which is, like, you know – Especially, like, I sort of understand when you, Donald Trump says something outrageous that's news, but there's always... It's a funny thing where you can see in the newsroom, they said, guys, we need different opinions. So then it's just yeah. randomly, like, John, who no one gives yeah. a fuck about, yeah. says yeah. he thinks this.
1: Oh, I know. Vox Pops are the lowest form of journalism. <laughs> <but>,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are our favourite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we love... Yeah. We've, we've, we've started many projects with a f- <laughs> few good Vox Pops. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> what,
0: what about the, the relationship... Uh, between studio and on the ground. Mm. Uh, do on the ground people think studio is scum and vice versa? Is there a little bit of that?
1: Um, no, they do. in my experience mm-hmm. they don't because they're they're two extremely different things. Um, so I did much more in the studio primarily because I had two shows. Yeah. You know, one was the news Monday to Friday. And air conditioning and, as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that, yeah. And the other one was my talk show that I travelled around constantly for. Mm-hmm. So I – but also – My thing has never been sort of, you know, wearing a flat jacket in the trenches, Mm -hmm. but thank God, uh, you know, lots of journalists are totally into that, which is fantastic. Um, you know, including my great friend Hugh Remington, who um, is in Riot Act yeah. and who was my co-anchor at CNN. His
0: book is so interesting. Yeah. Like just like growing up, like he was an alcoholic, super young, and all yeah. was like really, really interesting.
1: Yeah, amazing. But he, So he uh, loved all that sort uh-huh. of, you know, getting down in the trenches sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the journalists that are, um, are really good like him can do both. They're as comfortable in the studio as they are out there, mm-hmm. um, you know, in amongst it all. Uh there's plenty of times that, that I, I have done it, but um yeah, it wasn't it wasn't really sort of my thing. But I think journalists just they respect what you're good at, like mm-hmm. what your um what your particular focus is towards. And yeah, we don't tend to sort of get and at what's each other that,
0: for that. And what's that for you, do you think? What is your focus or your sort of main skill?
1: Um for me it would be um interviewing, because mm-hmm. and that's why they gave me my own um talk show was because I just, I'm fascinated by other people. And, um, you know, it used to drive my parents mad when I was growing up. So it's just like... Why can't you just love River Phoenix for his movies? Why do you have to know every single thing about him? Um, but that's basically yeah. how I made my, my you know, livelihood is knowing everything possible about these celebrities. that, And I just find it completely fascinating. Yeah. The dungeon really makes sense now. The dungeon yeah. totally <laughs> makes sense, I know. <laughs> uh,
0: podcasting, into the interview format has sort of uh, gone gangbusters within the space of podcasting. Is there anything that you think podcasters could take from traditional media in the way that they're formatted?
1: I think that like what you guys are doing mm-hmm. is just fantastic. You guys are fantastic interviewers. You didn't so you, even have questions oh, in you. front of you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, we try and th- like we position it as a conversation rather than yeah. an interview. Yeah. So then it takes a bit of the pressure yeah, off. But, and yeah, so you're, you're leading with the,
2: we're curious. Mm. We want to know more about you. Yeah. And so it's like, if you actually have those, things and Mm. some information yeah there's a lot that can be explored yeah that isn't just a question one two three four five yeah
1: absolutely and i've I've always been sort of fascinated by yeah you you know what you know very famous people do but you don't know who they are as as you know human beings and for me that's always been um you know my main thing i just i love that Mm. how do you crack the shell Um, Sometimes you don't and sometimes you just have to admit defeat. Mm -hmm. Um, So particularly with I've always found politicians and um, sort of A-list athletes are like that. They are very, very difficult to crack. Um, and we know custard's inside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all <laughs> like so exactly. nailing exactly. custard to a wall. Yeah. Is that the same? Yeah, that's, that's my saying. I like it. I made it I up. I love it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I love you it. You can use it, but you have nailing to give me royalties. Yeah,
2: nailing <laughs> custard to the to the wall. Bring it more Aussie <laughs> shit to a blanket. No, no, that's different. Oh, that's when it that's, sticks. That's beautiful. That's the opposite. Oh, that's beautiful. Shit
1: thoughtful. to a blanket. Yeah, that's really lovely. <laughs> <laughs> shit
0: <laughs> to a wall and blanket. Well, we've been very on brand with the way we finished this. Let's be honest. So right act is... The Audible original series—it certainly is. Uh, there's a bunch of how many? Uh, it's not episodes. How many? It's episodes? Yeah, eight. Yeah, and so uh, it's great. It's like I think 40 minutes or something per. one no, was saying? No, or less. it's twenty, like twenty-three. 20,
1: yeah, something like that. So yeah. they're
0: quite good. Like it's one mm. of those bite-sized things. Yeah. You can't like with normal audio books or like on Audible as a platform. Yeah, you end up just running like you there's no sense of progress. Yeah, but right. What I like about it is that there is that progress of like, oh, yeah. I finished yeah, I've yeah. Finished mm.
1: Absolutely, and there's like, you know, the promo forward for what's on the next episode. And yeah. I mean, God, when you have, you know, characters named like, Plugger and tugger and stiffy and fingers yeah. and um, butt crack, nutsack, you know, <laughs> who are executives, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's just really hard to say no to that sort of thing. I Did just they love- just
0: start rhyming named and that, that we've yeah. got yeah. I just love the idea of like the international execs at Amazon listening, like being like, the Australians yeah. are a weird bunch.
1: Yeah, right. It's I great. know. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's a Daily Talk Show. Hi at thedailytalkshow.com is the email address if you want to send us an email. If you like the show, uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts are always appreciated. Otherwise, see you tomorrow, guys. See you, guys.